Welcome to the Joe Schmo Theology Podcast, where we discuss confessions. I ain't confessing nothing! Reformed theology. I don't know what either of those words mean. And apologetics. I am not apologizing for anything either. I am your host, Adam D. Murray, and joined with me today on this program is my brother, Aaron D. Murray. All right, episode seven of Joe Schmo Theology, the podcast where two dummies talk about smart things, and this week we will be discussing the topic of stewardship. But before we get into that, Adam, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. How's your uh, week been or two weeks, I guess? Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty good. I mean, pretty normal. Again, I don't have anything crazy to report other than I found out that I'm really, I do not look good with a mustache. You don't look good, period. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a little hurtful. No, but like uh, Hannah and I went to this Magnum PI hula type party the other day. So I went to Goodwill and found myself a... Uh, mustache? No. <laughs> I found myself a Hawaiian shirt, you know, type deal, and mm-hmm. I shaved my beard and kept the mustache, and it you was... You shaved your beard. It was rough. You look like a little child right I now. I do. I look like a baby. Mm-hmm. We started a youth group yesterday, and everyone was like, hey, what grade are you in? I'm like, hey, shut up. <laughs> do people at work take you seriously? I don't know. I've been avoiding meetings. I have two tomorrow, though, so we'll see. Maybe you should get a fake beard. Mm. I don't think that would go over no? okay. terribly well. Maybe cool. you should put a uh, handkerchief over your face so you're part of Antifa. Oh, yes. Score. That will go. Actually, that might go well with one of the churches I'm meeting with. Uh, you never know. Um, yeah, but yeah, so we, we did that. Um, yeah, did you watch the McGregor? I watched Mayweather highlights fight? of it afterwards. See, I haven't even done that. I haven't even done yeah, that. Who cares? What, what were you expecting from it? I thought uh, McGregor would win. Um, he obviously <laughs> didn't. Stop. Stop. Um I was honestly very, the highlights that I saw, I was really impressed just with the fact that boxing is not his thing and he was able to do pretty well, Yeah, all things considering. Those Irish boys. Yeah. Let's go. Highly Irish. But no, I don't really care about stuff like that. Yeah. I just brought it up because I have a working theory. This is my theory. Okay. The whole match was rigged completely. Okay. That's my theory. Why? I don't know. I saw a video on Facebook where it looked like McGregor was pulling punches. Oh, you like, saw a video on Facebook. Yeah, and I bought in. <laughs> I said straight up bought in. You're a flat earther too, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Are you not? <sighs> dude, the four corners of the okay. earth. All right. <laughs> okay. It's in scripture, dude. It's biblical. Okay. Okay, I'm not a flat earther. How was, <laughs> how, how was your life? Actually, hold on. Can I tell you this real quick? Yes. So I saw another thing on Facebook the other day from uh what was it the institute of flat earthers something like that the association of flat earthers or something like that is that like a real thing yeah 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 Yeah, they got like they got like thousands of followers all that but they had this status the other day and they're like we i'm I'm gonna paraphrase it but it's like we have thousands of flat earth enthusiasts all across the globe yep and then someone comments and they're like read that again just a little more slowly i was like that's hilarious all right anyway how is it because of the globe because of the globe yeah yeah that's hilarious all across the globe how's your life oh it's good um i mean we celebrated desmond's first birthday oh yeah last week that was fun where's the uh where's the little hoop i bought you i don't see it the hoop oh that's still in the car i haven't unpacked anything yet (laughs) that's terrible It's, it's tuesday we got all that stuff saturday and i just haven't taken the time to take everything out. Fair enough. You know what's weird, though? What's that? 
Um, I've been getting ads on Google and my Facebook for those basketball goals. Really? Ever since I got that. That's what I'm saying, It's, man. it's creeping me out. I, I may or may not have used your card. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, you know what I get on my Facebook feed and random ads and all that? Flat Earth stuff? I don't know. No, I just get like millions of engagement ring <laughs> type Oh, things. engagement rings. Why? Yeah, you look one up and then all of a sudden it's Oh, you're like, thinking about getting engaged. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, shortly. See... I, I kind of would have opened with that instead of talking about your well, it's mustache. Because it's not there yet. You know, when, when we get a little closer. Your lady listens to this, man. What's I she going to think? I she, well, we've talked about it. Hey, Hannah, are you going to say yes? Are you going to say yes? Of course. <laughs> Adam is a beautiful man. Not with the mustache. He's not. <laughs> not with the mustache. That's right. Yeah, no, I think... Um, Let's beat that dead horse. I think it's okay that I say this. Um, my church is doing an eldership training internship. Hmm. Um, that myself and two other guys at church have been invited to participate in. Nice. So that's, that's really exciting. I mean, that doesn't um, mean that the three of us are going to become elders or anything like that. It, it's are you going to be like the fofo? You're going to be an elder candidate for like 27 years? No, I don't even, <laughs> I, I don't think I even consider myself to be a candidate. It's just like an internship training okay, cool. program. So I get to sit in on the elders meetings and um, go to elder visitations and um, do song explanations and things like that. So that'll be fun. a song explanation. Um, it's basically in, in the service before we sing a particular song, psalm. Um, our church is work, working through the whole Psalter every year. Well, it takes us like five years to do it. <laughs> um, but uh, traditionally, we'll just do a uh, three to five minute explanation of a psalm. Um, yeah, just get a little deeper. Just get a little into deeper. It, Cause, cause, context to yeah, it the psalms are they're hard. Sometimes you read them, you're like, I have no idea what this is. What this is about. So. The idea behind the explanation is to prepare the hearts emotionally to be able to sing it. That's not the way some people do it. Some people, it's like a second sermon. Yeah, well, <laughs> which has I, been a problem. Last last time I visited your church, though, Badiato did one, mm-hmm. and I thought it was incredibly helpful. Oh yeah, that, that so, guy's that guy's awesome. Yeah, it was um, very helpful. He he's going off to seminary tomorrow. Oh, is he really? Yeah, I'm where's really, he going? RPTS. RPTS. Nice. Yeah. So I'm really excited. he's he's a uh, fiery evangelist. And by fire, I don't mean like uh, fire and brimstone. No, I, I mean just like he he has the 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 zeal and the desire. He wants to um, go overseas to an unreached people group. Um, so that that's really exciting. But yeah, that's uh, that's really the, the, the latest with me. The most exciting things that are happening. So cool. Yeah. Cool. But uh, this was uh, your topic, so why don't you take the lead on this? Yeah, so we'll be talking about stewardship, um, talking about not just finances, but all the things that we steward. But I want to I want to go first and talk about like, um, I guess we can talk about what we steward. But do we do we truly like where where does the idea of stewardship even come from? Like, don't we own some of our own stuff? Like, don't we have a say in what we do? Like, why do these why do we have to steward well, <laughs> I guess? Are you asking me? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> kind of like we, we talked about last podcast, I think it's always good to start in the beginning, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created everything. Um, so this is his creation, kind of like you're saying, we're, we're kind of Ken Hamming it up here. Ken Ham. Back, back <laughs> to Genesis. <laughs> Genesis 1 through 11, everything. He would hate you for being a flat earther, by the way. Oh, I would hate myself if I were a flat earther. You're a flat earther and your, your mustache and just everything creepy. Um, <laughs> But no, we start with that, that um, everything that we see and, and feel and hear and touch is God's creation. 
And so when you look at passages like Deuteronomy 14, Psalm 89, 11, 1 Corinthians 10, 26, um, those all basically say something along the lines of the heavens and the earth are yours, as in God's. And um, David, even when um, he's kind of handing over the reins to Solomon to build the temple and all the people are bringing in their gold and their silver or their onyx and uh, everything, he, he says this in um, uh, First Chronicles twenty nine fourteen. 14. Uh, but who am I and what is my people that we should uh, be able thus to offer willingly for all things come from you and of your own we have given you. So the idea here that, that David's getting at is all, all these things that we're um, using to build your temple to worship you, you've already given us. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing that we have that doesn't already belong to God. Right. Right. So th that's the idea of stewardship. So my house that, that I have, the garage that we're on, the table that we're sitting at, the microphone, the computer that we're using, we're all we're all stewarding it. Sure. Because ultimately it is God's. Right. Yeah. I think of um, I think of James 1, 16 and 17 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So every gift that we have is God's. I think of Job, mm -hmm. you know, right? He was the, like the wealthiest dude around and lost everything in the blink of an eye. And he falls on his knees and he says, naked I came into the world, naked I will leave. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. And he fell to his knees and worshiped. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so just that understanding that like even the clothes on our back, our families, even our own bodies are property of God, right? He, who was it? Was it Lewis that said there's not one like molecule in the world that God doesn't look over and say mine, doesn't claim that it's mine. So everything belongs to him. So in that perspective, um, when we understand that everything belongs to God, we understand that um, the things that we've been given, the things we've been entrusted with, we are to steward well, um, we are to take care of them. So what what is stewardship and, and what are some of the things that we are stewards over? Well, like you just previously said, we're stewards over everything that we have. Right. Um, no, nothing truly belongs to us. It's all a gift of God um, that we are to use for his glory um, and, and not for our own. And when we start to use things for our own and trust in ourselves, um, things may work out for a while, but not not ultimately. Like even if you know we live and die and um, you know we have great possessions and great wealth, so what? If it's not used to God's glory and we're, we're using it for ourselves. So that, that's the first one. What was the second question? Um, well, it was just what, what do we steward and, and how do we, like, what does it mean to be a steward? So I think you just kind of nailed it. The things that, that I thought of off the top of my head, and I know this isn't an exhaustive list, but it's more than just our possessions, right? It's our time. Mm -hmm. It's our energy, mm -hmm. our relationships, our talents. Um, our resources, obviously, and even the message of the gospel we've been entrusted with. Um, so I kind of want to work through some of those. So our time, um, do you have any passages off the top of your head that um, that we are commanded to use our time well? Um, I mean, I couldn't quote it for you, but Galatians 5 talks about uh, making the best use of our time for the days are evil. Yeah, Ephesians 5, I think. Uh, Galatians 5. Mm. I'll bet you. Hold on. Want to put money down? Yeah, I'll <laughs> no. put money down. So hold on. Let me think. We can show up on our eyes, walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5 is the fruit of the Spirit. I knew that. Yeah. Um. I don't know. What do you, you asked me, so what, what do you have? So I'm going to go to Ephesians 5 because I wanted to 
I think that, I think we're talking about the same passage. We might be talking about different passages. Um, but Ephesians five fifteen through twenty one uh, says this. It says, "Look carefully." Then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the will, what the will of the Lord is. Um, it says, don't get drunk on wine. That's debauchery. Be filled with the spirit and then addressing each other in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We talked about that last week. Giving thanks to the Father for everything. Um, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Right. So all these things that we should be doing with our time, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Um, yeah, you were right. It wasn't <clears throat> Galatians 5. We'll work out the settlement later. <laughs> uh, the other one that I had off the top of my list, uh, off the top of my head, was uh, Proverbs 6. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Proverbs 6, 9 through 11 says, uh, How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a robber and want like an armed man. Right, so there's a heed to to not lay around and waste your life. Um, so don't be lazy, right? Our energy, First um, Corinthians ten thirty one uh, and Colossians three twenty three are both similar uh, along the lines of whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. Um, relationships, Hebrews ten twenty four through twenty five. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet with together as as the habit of some. Um, and can, then, can, can we slow down a little bit? Yeah, because I'd love. Uh, kind of hear you break down some of those. So stewarding your time, um, just going back to that, what does that look like practically, do you think, for the believer to steward their time well? Yeah, um, means a lot of different things. So we are we are professionals at wasting time, mm-hmm. um, whether that's Netflix or whether that's video games or whether that's... Flat earther pages on Facebook. Flat earther pages. Yeah, I don't follow them. It just you just said up. you did. Someone posted it in the pub and it made me laugh. Okay. All yeah, right. Calm down. Spending time on the pub. <laughs> um, so sometimes it's as simple as um, going to bed too late and then sleeping in yeah. in the morning, neglecting other responsibilities. Sometimes well, even, even not sleeping in, you just wake up and, and you're not um, as focused as you should be. You're not you're not able to work as hard. Um, you're not able to put enough energy into your um, family or the relationships, sure. like you said, which goes into one of your topics that you'd mentioned. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And it can be, you know, it could be things like being lethargic at work, mm-hmm. right? Not working to the glory of God because you're distracted by other things or you're just being lazy, you know, like those different, uh, those different things. So those are the first things I think of when I think about my time. Um, so really convicted, uh, you know, by a lot of verses in Proverbs that talk about work. So the sluggard one, uh, the one that says to go to the ant, you sluggard. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, you know, you're like the, the person who buries their hand in the dish and is too lazy to bring it back to their mouth. They turn like a, uh, like a door turns on its hinges, you know, you know, what's um, funny is sometimes I'll just be sitting on the couch watching TV and I'll have a bag of chips and a thing of hummus and I just can't get comfortable enough to just lie there and be able to comfortably pull a chip out and dip the hummus. So I don't even eat. I'm like, forget it. It's not even worth it. Wow. <laughs> Rough life. Man. Yeah. Those are, those are low points. Rough life. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, and then our energy, I think, is simple. Uh, I mean, uh, similar. I mean, is our, our energy and our time, I think, go very hand in hand. But when I think about my energy, sometimes, sometimes you're just investing your energy in the wrong things to where you don't have energy for other things. Mm-hmm. For instance, I'm uh, 
more out of shape than I used to be. <laughs> and so, thanks, man. So I've been running a lot lately. <laughs> and I did like a six-mile run the other day, wow. which was more than I should have done. Because I came back and I was like shot for the rest of the day. I was just like exhausted. Just didn't want to do anything. And so, yeah, physical training has some value. <laughs> you know, uh, we're called to be stewards of our bodies too. You know, but at the same time, like, am I investing... Um, so much time in something that's just going to tear me down and wear me out and ruin me for the day? Um, or am I, um, you know, it, it, energy, energy is invested into a lot of different things. And sometimes I just think we need to be wise with where we're putting our, our time and our energy. And that's why so, God gives us Red Bull. Gives you wings. Gives us wings. Gives you wings. Mm-hmm. I, uh, can I make a confession? Uh, you don't like Red Bull. I still have never had a Red Dude, Bull. Dude, that's okay. It's disgusting. That's what I've been told. That's it why I've never disgusting. bought one. I'm like, why would I have a Red Bull? If, if you I want an like energy monster. drink, get a Rip It. No. Oh, they're a buck and there's like a thousand flavors and they're delicious. I still, I think Monster's the best. I just try to stay away from energy drinks in general though. I'm just trying to stay away from energy drinks in general because I'm better than everybody. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Your words. Um, <laughs> My mocking words. Okay. All right. So then relationships. Um... Obviously, we're supposed to be good stewards of our relationships. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, and this is, I think, a tricky one um, because it's going to be a case by case uh, basis. Sure. So I, I couldn't tell someone who I don't know how to best steward your relationship. I do think we have just wisdom and guidelines we can use. So um, I, I don't think it's wise to try and have a huge group of friends. Um, and, and by that, I mean, if you have such a large group of friends, they're really just acquaintances because you're not able to develop a, as um, intimate a relationship as you could right. with just a few. And again, this is I, I don't think this is universal, um, but I do think this is generally true. Um, and, and you're not stewarding relationships well if you're not able to invest in one another. Right. And you're not able to encourage people um, and be encouraged by them as well. And I think also stewarding relationships in the sense that it's good for us to be friends with non-believers. Right. It's just how you go about that relationship is going to be drastically different than how you go about a relationship with um, a believer right. who is a friend. Yeah. Um, you've got to be a lot more more careful. And then... Um, just moving on into different aspects of life, I have to steward my relationships very, very carefully because my wife and my son get priority, mm-hmm. or, or or they should. And I, I don't always uh, succeed at that. I fail many times <clears throat> where um, my friends, my buddies will get more of a priority. And then so my wife doesn't get what she deserves and what God calls me to. Right. Um, same, same thing with my son. So it, it's it's a balancing act. It's just there's there's priorities that you have to hit. Yeah. So I, I don't know. That's that's probably pretty vague and not too terribly helpful. No, but I think that's I think that's that's good. I mean, there's that quote out there. I don't know who said it. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, we do need to be careful about who is the primary influence right. in our life. Um, but there's also a danger of being um, the way that I have been historically, <laughs> which is just surrounded by believers all the time, mm-hmm. right? You grow up homeschooled. It's like everyone you know is homeschooled. Why are you homeschooled? Oh, we don't want to be in public schools because we don't want that influence. So you're all in this bubble no, together. That's not why we were. That's why a lot of the people I interacted with were homeschooled. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> so right. so uh, that's not a statement about homeschooling. That's just what the reality of a lot of oh, no, I'm not my relationships were. So... Um, with that being said, there needs to be there needs to be 
community, people that build you up, and there also needs to be evangelism um, and having non-believer friends and being exposed to um, the world in certain ways so that mm-hmm. you can be a light in it. So there's that. But I also think of like your parents, right? Mm. Fifth commandment, mm. you know, honor your father and mother, <laughs> right? They've been given to you. Um, that's a relationship you need to steward well and, and obedience in that commandment. And then, yeah, again, just like what does it mean to belong to the body of Christ, right? You you, you want to stir one another up towards love and good works. And it's so easy, um, so easy so many times to just kind of skate through life with unintentional community. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we're just hanging out. We're buddies. We're shooting pool. We're playing basketball, whatever. Um, but not having, um, you know, not, not, not you're, calling you're each other. You're hanging out, but you're not having Christian fellowship. You're, right. You're right. not, there's no community. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no biblical community there. So, <clears throat> so those are all things that come to my mind when I think about relationships. So um, our talents uh, is another thing. So uh, you could even say your gifts if you wanted to. Um, but like, we have all been given different abilities and we're supposed to use those well. Do you have any thoughts or passages on that that come to mind? Well, you think of the, the <clears throat> passage in 1 Corinthians that talks about um, the body of Christ and how we are all gifted differently. And um, one one gift is not necessarily better than the other. Well, I mean, you could probably argue that, I mean, Paul's like, prophecy is the best. So yeah, can, he says desire the higher gifts or whatever. Desire but, those. And then that's a whole other topic that right, we, right. we, we don't need to get into someday. that. So. Um, but, but the point is, everyone's been um, gifted differently. They have different talents and different abilities. And um, we need to steward those well. So, for instance, if you've got, and just very, very practically, like, let's say that I know a lot of churches have, have choirs. Um, or ensembles or, or whatever, and you got someone who just can't sing worth a hill of beans and they really want to sing, but they're really better, they're really, really good with kids, but they want to serve in the in the choir. Um, I don't think that's stewarding your gifts well. I think that's um, being selfish where you need to serve where God has given you the gifts and the skills and natural talents to do that. Exactly. Um, and so that's that's really hard um, for for people to hear and, and even myself like there's i have aspirations to do um great things just say am i qualified for that <laughs> right right so y- your identity is not necessarily in um what what you <clears throat> want to do just for the prestige aspect of it or the um everyone look at me and the things that i can do i, I don't know i'm rambling but you, you're, you're called to to serve in the way that god has gifted you to serve right. exactly Exactly. And if you are pursuing spotlight roles, I mean, right. you're in sin there. So, <clears throat> but well, then, then, I mean, let's nuance that a little well, bit. Well, right. Okay. Um, if your motivation is to be in the spotlight, right. yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, yeah. And I also, I, I also think that we need to nuance it a little bit more where if you're in a situation where your church has 20 people and there are a multiplicity of ways to serve and not many hands to do it, you may be called to, to step into some of those roles, even if that's not your primary gifting. Right. Um, but if there's other people that are better suited to those roles and you're better suited somewhere else, I think we can really help each other out <laughs> by, uh, by serving in the way that God has gifted us. Um, yeah. I think, um, we all want to be leaders, but not... That's not true. Well, sure. <laughs> there, there, oftentimes, people want to be leaders and not followers or not right. servers. And um, <clears throat> you, you just look at Jesus for, for those of us who do desire um, leadership. And I think are gifted in leadership. 
you have to follow the example of Christ, who was a right. servant leader. Sure. Right. So he, he came to serve those he led. Right. Um, so even if you are desiring those higher positions, which maybe godly desires and God has gifted you for that, you still have to serve. Right. Um, and, and just be humble. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the two passages I think of off the top of my head are um, Romans 12. Uh, four yeah. through through eight, where it talks about um, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So though we are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. Uh, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of different um, gifts that people have been given. Uh, the other one is First Peter 4, 10. Uh, I'll start in 9 where it says, Showing hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Mm -hmm. so, so there's a command right there. Use your gifts. Steward them well. God has given you know, graciously to different people different gifts and use your gift well. So um, the other thing there is our resources. Um, we'll talk about that a lot more. But basically anything you have, finances, mm -hmm. your car, whatever. Um and then the other thing is the message of the gospel, right? So we are we are um, recipients of of a great of the grace of God, and we've been given and entrusted with that message of reconciliation. So um, I think of First uh, Corinthians. I think it's five nineteen. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but it basically says you've been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. Um, therefore, go and proclaim it. So that's that's the paraphrase on it, but. Thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean that's that's good. Even I think it's Matthew sixteen that talks about um, Peter um, or the church being given the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. Um, just knowing that we have we have the gospel, and that's not something that we are to hold on to ourselves. We're to be salt and light. We're to go out to the other most parts of the world and proclaim it, and <clears throat> not only just proclaim it. Um, we have to live in such a way that demonstrates that we are saved and redeemed. And so, I mean, I think this, this may be somewhat of a media bias against um, proclaiming Christians, but you just see how Joel Osteen's getting torn apart right now right. Um, because he's allegedly not opening his uh, church to uh, shelter those who need it, uh, which may or may not be true. But, but the point is that God's given us um, the truth of the gospel and people know that. And so if we're not um, proclaiming the gospel and living in light of the gospel, I don't think we're stewarding that information or stewarding um, our justification well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, we're called to be a conduit, not a cul-de-sac, right? So we don't just keep everything to ourselves. We're mm -hmm. we're called to proclaim that and bring other people into the I mean, kingdom. I think you could use the cul-de-sac analogy where you, you, <laughs> you know, it comes in and boom, goes right back, <laughs> right back out. out. I don't know. All right, all right. Fair enough. Maybe. Fair enough. Um but yeah, that that whole thing in uh, Houston right now is a is a big thing. So be lifting up prayers for them. But yeah, the first thing I thought of um, was James, where he says, "What good is it, my brothers, yeah. if you see someone with physical needs, you say, hey, keep well and warm fed, or keep well and well warm and warm well and well fed, yeah. but do nothing about their physical needs? What good is that, right? You show me your faith, I'll show you my faith by what I do." So right. So so there's the physical aspect. I think 
primarily when we talk about stewarding the gospel, well, it, it is in the actual verbal proclamation Correct. of it. Yeah, so I don't want to I don't want to um, focus too much attention on the physical um, and neglect the spiritual side of it. Right, but but um, I don't want to say I don't want to say oh, but his message is ruined because his message has been ruined for a long time. But yeah. um, a gospel proclaiming church that were to act in a similar manner no longer has that platform to proclaim the They've gospel because they're not living it out. Right, right, yeah. exactly. How can a assault cancel these? I think of. Also, Jude, um, Jude, the the first part of that book starts off with, um, I wanted to write to you about our common salvation, but I can't. Instead, I, I'm calling you to contend for the faith once for all delivered all the saints. And then it goes on to talk about um, people who have come in and started to taint the gospel. Right. So being good stewards of the gospel means that we have to protect doctrine. We have to protect truth. Um, so you've got the, the proclamation of the gospel, you've mm-hmm. got living in light of the gospel, but you've also defending the gospel message, message itself because you've got people coming in like Joel Osteen who they, they're not giving a gospel of hope or truth. They're talking about health, wealth, and prosperity, which I know you wanted to talk about a little bit later. And so we can, we can definitely do that. But, um, doctrine matters and, um, we're called to protect it. We're called to contend, which is another word for fight for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so and this is a little bit different than when you're sharing the gospel with someone. Like you don't want to necessarily fight with them. This is more in regards to people coming into the church. But those are ravenous wolves that right. need to be put down. So we are to steward the gospel by protecting the gospel message itself, protecting its purity and its clarity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And... I don't know exactly how to segue into that because, you know, we are we are called when you look at First Peter, um, you know, the way that the church is supposed to suffer is basically spelled out throughout that entire thing. So how do you how do you suffer well under persecution? And then it goes on in chapter three um, that to basically say when someone sees you're suffering well and asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, like be prepared to have an answer for them mm-hmm. and do it with gentleness and respect. So, so you are called to have that, um, that response ready when you suffer well, um, but you don't want to back down on doctrine either. I just listened to Big Plug for Apology or Radio. I'm really getting into them right now. Yeah. Um, did you listen to that recent one where they had Doug Wilson on? They were talking about the serrated edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of more of the salty language used throughout Scripture, and sometimes the harsh words are necessary. Um, but you do not compromise the truth of Scripture to make buddies, to make pals, to make friends. Like, um, the church is, is called to uphold truth, um, and we are as well. So, uh, anyway, well, we church. <laughs> yeah, um, I just feel like I have to say this because okay. if I don't, I'll probably get in trouble. You, you brought up Doug Wilson, and I, I really like a lot of what Doug Wilson says, but he's a Federal Vision guy, and I am not. Um, so I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Um, I wouldn't have even known that. I know you wouldn't have, but there are, I mean, you throw a name out there and people will associate. Like, I'm not too worried about Apologia being theonomous because I don't think that's that. I mean, it's a big deal, but it's not. That's an I, area I know almost nothing well, about. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but but federal, <laughs> federal Vision, I just, I, I want to distance myself from that just since we brought up the name Doug Wilson. Let's talk about that Sorry. afterwards. I'd love to. Okay. know more about that um anyway all right so back to back to we'll play a game i mean we're half hour in okay all right. unless you want to i mean i don't want to interrupt the thought i kind of want to get through a couple couple other things real quick as you wish beloved thank you so 
we're called to give generously. Um, uh-huh. I think that most people listening to this already know that, so we don't need to dig into a whole lot of passages there. But are we called to give wisely? I mean, I'd say yes. I think you're going to push back a little bit. But yes, I think we are. <laughs> okay. What does that look like? Um, it means... I mean, the, a practical example that I, I can give is there are a lot of panhandlers that really start to pop up here in Indy, right. especially in the area that I live. I mean, I don't live in a too rough of an area, but I live really close to downtown. And so every street corner, there's panhandlers there. Um, and I've seen plenty of them get in cars, nicer cars than I have, <laughs> right. and, and leave or pull in one and then go panhandle. Or um, they're basically wanting a... You know, I got, I got, <laughs> I got played once by this old lady and it was, you know, it was only like nine o'clock at night, but it was in the winter time. So it was dark and cold and she's like, Hey, I'm, I'm really hungry. Can I get some food? And it's like, okay. So I was going to go into, there's a taco bar right there. And she's like, actually, can we go over to this, uh, this barbecue joint? <laughs> I'm like, um, okay. And so it's, I've been there. I mean, and, and this was like a $20 meal. I've been there. So I had already committed. I mean, I was younger and dumber then. So I bought it for her, and then she walks away. She goes, later, sucker, flips me off, and then walks into her house, which is right next to the barbecue joint. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, man, I just got, I just got played. So I think, I think we, we have to give wisely, and I know you're going to come out with another passage, so go ahead. No, I mean, I'm not I – don't, I don't disagree with you. Um, there's just one passage, and I, I'm having a hard time finding it now, but this is something I was kind of dealing with um, a year or so ago. Where in Luke, I thought it was 17.5, but it's not. So I looked at 5.17 and it's not that either. So, so I'm not entirely sure. But basically, if you can Google it or something, yeah, maybe. Um, but basically, Jesus tells his disciples, if anyone asks for your cloak, give them your robe also. Right? Um, knowing full well that you're being taken advantage of. Um, give to anyone who asks you. Something like that. So, I, um, yeah, if you find that, I'd love to it's go Luke 6. It. Luke 6? Yeah. What does it say? I'm working on it. Calm down. I think it's Luke 6.30. So close. Um, yes, this is the love your enemies passage. This is uh, Luke 6.27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and to the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you uh, wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Yeah. So I struggle with that mm-hmm. because I look at panhandlers and 98% of the time I feel like I'm being taken advantage of there. I had a similar situation to you once where I was um, I was actually talking with these, these two homeless guys downtown. And um, it was really cool because I got to share the gospel with them. But then they're like, hey, can you get me something to eat? I'm like, yeah, sure, cool. So we're like walking across the street to Steak and Shake. We're like, wait, can we go to, I don't know what it was, Napoli's or something? It's a nicer place downtown. I was like, that's fine, whatever. $15 a plate, not a big deal. Like, it won't break me. Um, and they go and they both order um, like $35 meals a piece oh and then like three beers. And yeah. I was like, wait, 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 wait. So I ended up having to foot like a $80 bill oh, there. And I was like, oh. I was like, what do you, uh, you know, you just, <clears throat> sometimes you got to be, be careful with it. Um, but that was a place where I just kind of felt like a little bit extorted, you know, uh, but trying to apply that passage really is a hard thing to do because 
Like, I feel like if I lived this out, every opportunity I got living in Indianapolis, I would just be broke all the time. So there's... Well, I mean, at the at the end here, it says uh, in verse 31, and as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. Right. So, I mean, I think that can be taken as... One, if, if you're being abused, I, I, he strikes your cheek off of the other also. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. This is just something this, I'm working through. This is a tough one. Um, and when I think about giving wisely, like you said, if anybody asks you for anything, you'd be broke. So right. let's say that every time someone asks me for something, I gave it to them. Right. And then my wife and my son and myself, we starve. Right. We're not able to pay our bills. Right. And we get kicked out of our house. Yeah. That, that's not being wise and that's that's not glorifying God. I think so that that's was being really stupid. Right. That was the next thing I wanted to get to as well because I've had a lot of these conversations with my roommate because... Um, Justin will never listen to this, but if he ever does, hi, Justin, I love you. But Justin is very analytical. Um, Justin likes to analyze everything to its bitter end and come up with the best possible thing he can think of or whatever. Sure. Sometimes it's like nothing gets done. Other times it's like, wow, you made a really great choice, you know? So, hmm. um, we've, we've talked about this, uh, to death. Um, and I just don't know where to fall on it because, there are so many opportunities to give, um, so many opportunities to come alongside different ministries and things. Like I have a heart for an orphanage in Haiti that I've worked at a lot of times. And I look at them and I'm like, they need my money and my resources a lot more than my home church does, <laughs> you know, sure. kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I struggle with that. Like, where do I give the majority of my funds to? Sure. Um, you know, and then other things like there, there are organizations that do some really good stuff with water. And it's like the money that you give them is exponentially used um, to where it'll reach a ton of different people and that kind of thing. But it doesn't have a the gospel tied to it. And so my heart is to be involved in things that meet people's physical needs as well as spiritual needs. And it's just like, how do you work through some of those things? But then on the flip side of that, um, we were talking about <clears throat> passages that say, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no king, has no ruler, but it stores away in summertime and in harvest. You know, it puts it away. Um, I think it's First Timothy that says, you better take care of your family, otherwise you're worse than an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so how do we balance those passages with uh, like the church at Acts, where they were giving literally everything that they had to people that needed it within the church? to the point where they had needs themselves or, uh, you know, passages like do not lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where earth or where or in, <laughs> do it in heaven. <laughs> Don't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but lay them up in heaven. So like, how do you work through those things where, you know, you're setting aside money for the future, you're taking care of your family, but you're also living to the point where you would have need yourself, where you're trusting God to give you your daily bread, where you're not storing up treasures on earth. Like how does I I struggle with sure. this a lot? Sure. Well, I mean, you you mentioned earlier, like, do you give to the church or do you give to some parachurch organization? And I think it it's pretty clear that primarily our giving is to go to the local church, right? Um, and we can talk about that a little bit later when we talk about tithing. Um, but I think that also comes into being a part of your church and how your church allocates those funds, right? So. I will never, ever, ever give cash to a panhandler. I'll give them food. I'll happily do that. Um, even buy them food still, even though I got played. 
but you've got other organizations like here in Indy. Um, right. You've got Midwest, Midwest Cleaners. Cleaners. And you got Wheeler Mission for Wheeler homeless Mission, people. Absolutely. So you've got organizations that you trust and you know what the money's going to. You know that it's not going to alcohol, it's not going to drugs, or it's not going to their bank account where they live in Carmel, Indiana, and they drive a Porsche. Right. Right. So uh, there's wisdom in that. But yeah, primarily our giving, our financial giving is to go to the local church. Now, if we want to give other other places, by all means, give as the Lord has blessed you. But I think primarily it's it's to go to our local church. Interesting. Yeah, we can definitely talk about. I'd love to see what you've come up with on on tithing and stuff. This is just these are just things that I'd like I'm, I've been working through for a long time um, because I would not dispute the fact that you're supposed to give to the local church, but at the same time I I struggle with where to give everywhere else, <laughs> you know, um, and how much to give and how much to save and those kind of things. It's just. Um, We'll talk about a little bit more where I've fallen on that later, but these are just yeah. food for thought. Let's I mean, play it. Let's play a game right. unless you have another thought. Well, I was I was just gonna say it's kind of like when you hear about all these um, opportunities for ministry and how we we feel like we're a failure if we're not involved in everything. Um, hmm. And I think John Piper is the one who said this: like you as a Christian are not called to be involved in everything. You're called to care about everything um, and pray. <clears throat> But not everybody is called to be involved in fighting the sex trade. Not everybody is called to be on the street sharing the gospel. Not everybody is called to be protesting in abortion mills. People are called for different things. And so if you start, and this goes into re, uh, stewarding your, your time, time and your resources yeah. and your energy, you just can't do everything. Right, absolutely. You, you have your specific gifts that you're supposed to steward well in the area that God has um, placed you. Hmm. And it's the same thing with your finances. Yeah. So, cool. all right. So let's play a game. Okay, let's play a game. Cool. Nothing super crazy here. Um, couple would you rathers for you. A couple. Five. F- five. Five. None of them are going to take crazy long, so you'll probably be able to figure all this right. out quickly. We don't have to do all of them. But on the topic of resources uh-huh. and finances and stuff, would you rather win fifty thousand okay. dollars or let your best friend win five hundred thousand dollars? And you get nothing. Oh man! Well, first of all, who's my best friend? That's a good question. That's up to you. What if I have multiple? I would best love friends to have five hundred thousand. <laughs> Thank you so much. And it and it divides it up. Like if I have multiple best friends, can I? If you pick me, I'll give you twenty five. But you said you couldn't give me any. I know. I'm just kidding. Um, hmm. No, you gotta pick. Do one. I get to influence? My, my friend about how he spends it? Nope, nope. He's not going to give you any and he gets okay. to decide. Exactly. Right, I know he's not going to spend... Do I get the influence though? Like, hey, maybe you should give it to these people over here or spend it all on yourself or buy a new car and then sell it to me for $100. I mean, you could play the same role any friend would play. But, okay. But no, you don't get to like have a say in it. <laughs> okay. Um, I really could use 50 <laughs> I know, right? I mean, I'm, I'm... You could finally get AC in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, on the topic of uh, finances, if you would love to support our Joe Schmo Theology Ministry and allow us to do it in comfort, um, feel free to write a check to Aaron Murray and send it to... Don't tell my address. Do you have a P.O. box? No. <laughs> All right. Never no, mind. I love how you said send it to me. Well, it's your it's your furnace. Yeah. Well, air conditioning. The furnace still works. Oh, you're It's like AC. 20 years old. So it's going to go out on me soon. So that's another five grand. I'm taking a 50000 I okay. need it. My, my, right. my, my family and myself. We, we Selfish. I love I, it. I don't care. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. This should be an easy one. Okay. Would you rather know when you're going to die or how you're going to die? 
Yeah, I've heard this one before. I think when. Why? Because if I know how, I'm, like if I know I'm going to die in a car accident, I'd be freaking out every time I'm in a car. If I know when, uh, YOLO, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of what I was thinking. I'm like, you can literally do everything except for the one thing that's yeah. going to kill you. It's, and it's like, I know the day that's coming so I can get all my affairs in order. And, right, exactly. I mean, I'd be dreading it. That's an easy one. All right, would you rather run at 100 miles per hour okay. or fly at 10? Run. I'd rather run at 100 miles an hour. Why? Because I can get places faster. Dude, you could be the Flash. That's a Marvel character. That's a DC character, you oh, moron. Dang it. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying here, man. Oh, I'm trying. Word. I really am trying. You're thinking of Quicksilver. I just started watching Daredevil. I didn't like it. I got. I'm like, three episodes in, and there was like the coolest fight scene. Yeah, seen the cinematography life. of that show is incredible, but it, I just thought it was boring, and the acting's just crap. So far, I'm into it. But okay, good. We'll see. All right, all right. Uh, would you rather be able to speak all languages or be able to communicate with animals? All languages. Same. Would you rather have taste buds or be colorblind? Have no taste buds or be colorblind? Yeah, I feel that. Um, That'd be an easy decision. I'm going to say no taste buds so I can Mm. look at my wife's beautiful brown eyes. Nice. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Brownie points. Also, her cooking sucks. What? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's, it's, she's amazing. Whoa. Whoa. I hope she listens to this. <laughs> she does. I really do. All right. So, um, was that five? That's five. Nailed it. Went right okay. through. All right. Good job, man. Thank you. That was efficient. All right. So, you want to talk about tithing? Yeah. Cool. Let's, Let's talk about it. Oh, you want me to talk? I want about you to it. talk about it. Okay, so um, my shoulders are carrying. Yeah, I'm tired from. Well, carrying. it's about time you carry a cast. This is true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> um, when we think about tithing, I, I think it's a pretty sticky topic because nobody likes to be told they have to give ten percent of their income, um, and I would say you don't. So I, I think if we back up and talk about um, the origin of the tithe would be helpful. So from um, what I can remember, and I could be wrong on this, but if I am, I'm not wrong by much. The first time I think we, we see a tithe is in Genesis 14. After um, there's a, basically this huge battle between a bunch of different kings from Sodom and Gomorrah being one of them and lots there. And so Lot gets captured by this conquering king and then Abraham hears about it. So he kind of goes in and just <laughs> beats this king who nobody else could, rescues Lot. And everyone's like, oh, thank you so much. And then the king of Sodom and Gomorrah, they come in like, well, let's give you this money. And he says, no, um, because I'm not going to let anybody say that uh, my wealth and my victory comes from you guys. It comes from God. So then this guy, Melchizedek, comes in, who's the king of Salem. And he blesses Abraham, and Abraham um, gives him a tenth of everything he had. So a tithe, um, which a tithe is a tenth. And then moving on in the Old Testament, we see um, through the Pentateuch, and as uh, the Israelites conquer the land of Canaan, that the Levites, who are um, supposed to be the priests, they don't get an inherited spot of land. Rather, they're all over the place um, because they're priests, and they're there to minister all the people. So um, a tenth of what everyone has goes to the Levites and the priesthood so that they can eat and survive and um, have clothing and um, all, all things of this nature. So that's, that's kind of the idea where you get the tithe is to support um, the priesthood and to uh, pay for the temple um, and, and, and things like this. 
So as I had mentioned earlier in First um, Chronicles, everything that we have um, has been given to us by God. So we're really just giving God back his, um, his belongings already. And then uh, Malachi 3, verses 6 through 10, this is what it says. For I, the Lord, do not char- change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. For the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes, and you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? Your tithe and your contribution are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. So you have the people here um, keeping the tithe from the Lord, keeping the tithe from the priesthood. And um, God's obviously very upset about this because this is something he's commanded them to do. And he says, I, I'm going to bless you guys. If, if you if you follow my commands, I will bless you. Um, so it, kind of from that model, you see the church demanding a tithe from its congregation, demanding that they give 10%. Okay. And I don't think that it's 10%. I do think that um, the people of God are called to give to the church. I absolutely do. And I think um, just even this passage in Malachi 3, um, your tithes and um, your contributions put into my storehouse or my food house or the local church, a lot of people translated that as, uh, which doesn't necessarily work because the uh, New Testament church hadn't been established, but it is kind of the local area where your priests are ministering in your synagogues and things like that. Um, but even as you get into the New Testament, you've got um, 1 Corinthians 16.2 that says, On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. So um, these are all the congregations that have been established through the book of Acts um, and they're bringing in their contributions and their tithes to bring to Jerusalem the the church there which is to be distributed throughout the rest of the church which may even come back to them so um, you have God commanding people you are to give Mm -hmm. Um, you have passages like Galatians 6 6 that says let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches so you've got this idea of our pastors are to be compensated, mm-hmm. right? They, they, are, they legitimately deserve to be paid. And uh, I didn't have this one written down, but I think this is also in 1 Corinthians where Paul says, you are not to um, like feed the ox. What, what's, how's the passage go? Um, I'm not entirely sure what you're talking about. Where, where, the, where the ox is <clears throat> treading and you're supposed to keep feeding it. It's a passage from um, the Pentateuch, but it's, he's applying it to those who are in gospel work where you're not to keep... Um, the grain from them as, as they're working. I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm pe- sure. pe- people know what I'm talking about. Go I'm read about. the entire book of First Corinthians and let us know. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but, but the point is, we're, we're not called to tithe proper, but we are called to give. So Second Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 says... Right where I'm looking. Like, well, why don't you go? No, I'll just okay, go ahead. Second Corinthians uh, 9, 6, and 7 says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So the idea is that God has blessed people differently. Um, So there are people who have abundance, and they are to give, and they're able to give abundantly. 
and they're 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 called to do so cheerfully yeah. as they have decided. And then there's other people who um, just where God has them in life, you know, they're not able to give a lot. They're you know only able to give five dollars, right. but they're called to give cheerfully as they have decided. Right. So the idea of ten percent has been done away with in the new covenant, but the idea of giving to the church has not been. Right. And you had mentioned uh, the book of Acts where everyone um, gave as they saw need. Right. Um, and so you have the church supporting itself right. and supporting its members and supporting its pastors and, and um, things of that nature. So that's, that's kind of why I said we are absolutely called to give to our local church primarily. Absolutely. And then if we're able to do so, we can give in other places. Right. But it's to go to the church, and the church from there is to disseminate, disseminate, and yeah. bless its congregation, and um, its city, and its country, and as it's able to, the rest of the world. Yeah, I th- I love the principle there, though. Of like, n- none of us would say that um, investing is a bad thing to do. Like investing in the future, diversifying your portfolio, whatever. Well, I think that's biblical. Right. So, so we're all saying, oh yeah, investing, that's a really good thing to do on earth. Well, why don't we do that? Why don't we invest in heaven? Right. So we, we mentioned the passage that says, don't store up treasures on earth, uh, where, where moth and rust destroyed and store up treasures in heaven. Right. This one says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Um, you know, but whoever gives, like there's, there's blessings there. Right. So, the irony of it is incredible to me that, <laughs> that we have such a great, uh, you know, we, we love to invest. We love to think about our portfolios, but yet we won't invest in eternity. We won't invest in kingdom work. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why there's that disconnect, but um, there seems to be. So, yeah. Well, and I, <clears throat> I think we should mention the uh, parable of the um, talents, yeah. right? Where the master comes in and he says, hey, look, I'm going away. Here's six talents do what you got to do with it. The other guy's three, the other guy's one. And so the guys with the six and the three talents, they go out and they invest in it and they end up getting double what they had because they used the blessings that they were given to, to multiply them and to bless others. Whereas the one who was given one talent was just terrified that he would lose it. Right. So he hid it away. And so when the master comes back, he's really upset with them and he curses them. He's like, you could have even put it in the bank and gained interest with it. But you didn't even do that. I gave you a gift and you didn't use it. You didn't steward it like I told you to do it. And now you're cursed. Right. So, and I don't, I don't, it's been a while since I've read that passage. I don't know if that's primarily talking about stewardship, but I think it's talking about stewardship and not necessarily finances, I believe. Right. Right. So the point is like we've been given good gifts. We can apply. And, and if we're not, if we're not using them, for God and for his glory, then we're in sin. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, also, I know nothing about investing. All I know how to say is diversify your portfolio. Diversification. <clears throat> That's right. High uh, risk, high payoff. I've seen commercials. Um, all right, so one more thing I want to talk about. Um, let's talk about the health, wealth, prosperity gospel. Let's. I don't even want to talk about I don't even want to call it a gospel. But Health, what is, wealth, and prosperity joke. What What is it? And why is it a problem? Uh, it's a damnable heresy that will send people to hell. That's why it's a problem. That's why it's a problem. Okay, but what does it teach? Uh, it it kind of teaches. <clears throat> um, proponents of the health, wealth, prosperity gospel say, "Have faith and, and give money to me, and I'll pray for you, or it will show your faith, and God will bless you twice as much." So, the more you give, the more you get. 
right kind of a thing which is a twisted truth right because we just read in the uh, malachi passage that god blesses those who follow his commands but that blessing does not necessarily manifest itself in material possession right yeah and oftentimes i think it <laughs> i think it doesn't um yeah so so yeah so so these health loss wealth prosperity guys are are teaching from the bible as if christianity is a means to an end and that that means is the giving of your finances and that end is the receiving of greater finances right nothing about sin nothing about your need for a savior right um it's all give so you can get give so you can get and uh, the goal of that is to advance the financial earnings of these teachers, you know. So it's it is a damnable heresy. I found a couple verses, uh, passages that really I think they want to pretend are not in the Bible. Um, but the rich young man, right? Uh -huh. um, so the rich young man comes up to Jesus and says, "Hey, what do I got to do to be saved? Um, good teacher, <laughs> what do I got to do?" She's like, "Why do you call me good? There is no one, you know, good except God." Um, Old man joke. Yeah. Anyway, but he starts talking about um, the, the the rich young ruler starts saying things like I've kept all the commandments, I've done all these things from my youth, and she just says, "Okay, one thing you lack: go sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and follow me." And the man went away sad because he was a man of great possessions, right? And so, what was Jesus doing in that? He was he was addressing the heart of uh, of this rich young ruler um, whose trust, whose security was all in. Um, his riches, Jesus says, it's easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom because you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And so what Jesus was doing is pointing out the idolatry in this man's heart, uh, which was towards his money. And that that directly contradicts everything that you hear from um, from health, wealth, prosperity guys. Right. Well, I mean, the, the sick thing about it is they go and they leech off of the poor. Right. They leech off of the needy who are in hard places, and so they need some type of hope. Mm. And, and so they, they give half-truths about Jesus to where these, these people who can barely um, pay for their own food end up giving that money to someone who doesn't, you know, they're buying jets with it. Right. Creflo dollar. Right. Right. And I, and I think the health, wealth, prosperity thing is really um, just infecting Africa right now. Oh, from, absolutely. From, from what I've heard. Absolutely, it's, it's it's disgusting, and I mean, pray for these people um, who are being manipulated and who are being devoured by these ravenous wolves. And I think we need to call for the destruction of these evil teachers. Hmm. I think that's biblical. Um, another one I see is First uh, Timothy six, uh, verse nine says, "But whoever desires to be rich will fall into temptation, into a snare." into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Um, and then it says, but you go on to you know, pursue godliness and righteousness and faith and that kind of thing. Um, but the warning there is that your motivation should not be for for you know your possessions to grow it shouldn't be for earthly gain right when you come to christ you lay everything at his feet and say it's yours um and you repent of your sin and you receive his righteousness like the reward is christ 
the reward is not is not um, is not possessions, and when money is your idol, like you will fall into temptation um, and and ruin and destruction. So, um, money cannot be cannot be your security, um, right. and it cannot be your your god. Yeah. So. On, on the other side of things, um, money is not evil in and of itself. Absolutely. So it's God God <laughs> does bless people with with great wealth, and I don't think you need to feel guilty of that. Um, I, I think that's a good thing, and God's called you to a high standard of stewarding that money well, um, both for yourself, for the church, and for those around you. Um, so money is not is not wrong. To Absolutely, have. And, I, and I think I think it's a it's a worthy pursuit um, to be secure financially, but your security does not ultimately come in your finances. Right, it it, it comes in Christ. And when right, you get those two mixed up. It's it's you're gonna have a bad time, right? So you're <laughs> you're gonna have a bad time. Have a bad time. So you can't so you can't have your identity wrapped up in your possessions, right. right? The love of money should not be your pursuit. The love of Christ should be your pursuit, right? And the money that He's given you, that He's like the things He's entrusted you with, you're called to steward well. So that's the that's the point there. Um, there's a lot more passages that. Um, that would shut down any kind of health, wealth, prosperity teaching. Like the whole Bible. Right. <laughs> Correct. Um, but I just wanted to I just wanted to close with um, with one one final thought, if I can find the book of Hebrews. Um, there was a passage I came across a, a couple of years ago that was really a really an encouragement to me um, in dealing with these questions like, oh, well, how do we, how are we supposed to use our money, right? Like, how do we, how do we balance between, um, wow, can you look up Hebrews 13.5? Yeah. I, I can't talk and do this at the same time. But like, how do we balance between um, storing up money like the ant does, um, like protecting and, and taking care of and supporting our families, like First Timothy says, how do we balance that with uh, frugal living, with giving generously, um, even to the point where sometimes we're taking advantage of giving wisely to different things to the church? And like, how do we balance these things? Um, so Hebrews thirteen five, can you read that? Yeah. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, for He has said, "I will never leave you nor forsake you." Right. So that's really comforting to me. Keep yourself from the love of money. Right. So if my if my ultimate pursuit in life is Christ and the exaltation of his name and bringing him glory um, and I'm using my finances toward that end, like he has promised that he's never going to leave us, that he's he's not going to forsake us. He's told us his eye is on the sparrow. Right. Not one sparrow falls without him noticing how much more does the father care for you. Right. So he's he's promised to meet our needs. Sometimes that doesn't look like we want it to. Sometimes that means that you live in a tiny 400 foot studio apartment, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. So no offense to those who live in a tiny 400 studio apartment. Right. But that's that's what God has has given. Um, mine's not a whole lot bigger. I mean, it's it's decent, but it's more than I need. And it's like mm -hmm. when you realize that the only thing that I deserve from God is his condemnation. And yet he's blessed me with anything at all, even the breath of my lungs and the clothes on my back like that. Like that is unbelievable grace. And so we have the call to steward things that God has given us well. And ultimately our end should be to love Christ, um, to make much of him yeah. and to use our time and our energy and our relationships and our resources and all those things for his glory. So, yeah, I think this, this passage, I'm glad you brought this up because this is really encouraging um, for me, especially because um, money is really tight for us right now. Um, and I'm 
freaking out because we've got another kid on the way. Yeah. So it's it's just a good reminder that God will will provide and, and He will take care of us. Um, and He's He's given me a job where, where I can we can I I can make money. Um, and He's given us more than we need. I mean, our house is it's not a big house, but it's it's big for us. It's got a big, big table. Yeah, it's got a huge table. Lots and lots of food. Lots and it's got a big, big yard. (laughs) We just talked about the regular principle. Smack you. We can play football. Stop it. We ain't in church. (laughs) Stop. Well, you're right, but you're being stupid. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being authentic and bearing my soul with you. I'm sorry. You're just mocking me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's the mustache. I don't even have a mustache anymore. I just like to beat up on you. You've got nothing right now. It's kind of like you walked into an elevator with Ray Rice. You've got a naked face. (laughs) Who's Ray Rice? Never mind. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Google it later. All right. Let's land this thing. Let's land this thing. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us. <laughs> no, 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 no. On no, episode. No, no, no. Stop. Seven. You've got you've got a history lesson for us. Oh, oh, I do. Don't I? All right. Oh my word. I probably should have read this again beforehand, so I'm gonna have to almost like read this thing to you. Are you familiar with the Thirty Year War? Oh gosh, I'm very familiar with. The Are you? Do you know what started it? Um, uh, evil and sin. Evil and sin. That was a great. Great answer. All right. So following the Reformation, um, yeah, the Roman Empire was thrown into turmoil and uh, was kind of carved up into warring factions of Protestants and Catholics. So to to avoid a complete breakup of the empire, various groups reached uh, a compromise called the Peace of Augsburg. Okay, the Peace of Augsburg. I think I'm saying that wrong. Uh, but basically what that said is it allowed the various territorial kings to determine like the religion of their respective subjects. So um, like what else are we going to do, right? There's no separation of church and state. <laughs> so the king of, or the, the leader, yeah, the king of each little region got to just, oops, sorry. No, got to determine no, like what the, what the religion of the area was, right? It's called Erastianism. What? That's, that's, I don't know what that means. It, what you just said. All right. You so, could have saved us like five minutes by just saying Erastianism. Yeah, but if I don't know, then there's probably other people that don't know. I well, mean, I know there are gaps in my knowledge, but come on. All right. So anyway, this compromise held true everywhere except for the province of Bohemia because it felt that it needed to be different. <laughs> wow, you're literally reading this. I am. This is right off a of Wikipedia page, isn't it? Uh, it wasn't wiki, but it was something else. Oh, All right, man. so the king there was Catholic, but he allowed for like broad toleration of the Protestants. He permitted them to worship and build churches and public land and all that. So Progressive. Right, so this arrangement held true until it didn't. <laughs> um, after the throne changed hands a couple times, the fate of the Bohemian Protestants was thrown into turmoil. Is this where Bohemian Rhapsody came in? It is. Mama mia. So in response, some representatives of the Protestant population met Mama with mia. Catholics, and they were like, yo, let y'all going to let us go. keep building churches on the public land? And they're like, uh, yeah, no, we're not going we're not, we're not to do that. Are you listening? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So the Protestants reacted how any of us would, you know, and they just took the Catholics and like threw them out of window. Oh, yeah. See, it's interesting now, right? This was not the first time that this happened. Through the, the window, through the wall. All right, so I'm not going to finish oh. this. <laughs> basically, this is taking 30 years to Basically, tell the Protestants and the Catholics got mad at each other, and then there was a 30 year war, and it's all because we threw some people out of windows and we couldn't decide 
whether there should be separation of church and state or not. Separation but of church and state. Anyway, so thanks for joining us on episode seven of Joe Schmo Theology. Was it seven or six? Seven. 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 So next week we're going to be talking about baptism. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Do so, we sprinkle donuts or do we dunk them? Uh, it's called Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, well, they're actually called Dunkin' now. Um, Are they officially? Well, I think so. It's going to be. Who cares? Yeah. All right, y'all. Until two weeks from now, remember Whatever. every Joe Schmo <laughs> Whatever, can dude. grow some more. I hate you so much. <laughs> Peace.